Well, hello, everybody. It's episode 22, and here's what we're talking about. Predictive models, your brain and your business. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, it's I like think just, it's going to be great. I mean, it's um, just it so fun to connect and a little and, heavy, um, but I think it's going to be connect really, these really different exciting ideas. conversation. What's that? Oh, I just think it's really fun to connect these different ideas. Um, yeah. And, and because, you know, not everybody, you know, screw the concept of there's a good dichotomy between mind and body and particularly between body and business. There is, there is no dichotomy if we're like breaking that down um, yeah. and really going to dive into it today. But I'd yeah, love non, to... Non-dualism, I was just going to say. Yeah, non-dualism <laughs> here. So I'd love to step into what's your process, what's your progress, Um I can go first unless you are ready to hop in. Um, I mean, I can go either way. Okay. Uh, go for it. <laughs> okay. Well, I just was thinking um, that what is in process that I'm really, really excited about, I don't know if we've, I guess we've talked about this a little bit, is our is our neuroleadership and brain-based coaching um, uh, journey that we're on. And we just finished part one. And it is so fabulously fascinating and also so rich. I'm just really loving. Um, and I think part of our conversation today is kind of a product of the convergence of all of our years of experience of teaching and teaching the body and educating and mentoring and, and your knowledge in the brain-based education stuff and my nervous system work, like, it's a beautiful thing when you really feel the just the solidify, solidification and convergence of a lot of ideas all supporting each other. So I'm loving being in that process. I'm loving being in the progressive state of applying that work to mm-hmm. our work right now. Um, I love hearing it come up in your conversations and in my conversations. And then when we're doing our, our group, um, coaching and mentoring, it's just been really powerful. And I've, uh, it just feels a little bit like, um, uh, like when you find the secret sauce kind of (laughs) that, that lets your work go deeper. And so I'm, I'm just thrilled and it's really been energizing for me. So that's, what's in process and progress. I think at least top of mind today. Oh, it's funny because it's definitely overlapping on what I was going to share. Um, and, and I mean, yes. And I will add, like, I do find in, in my own self, I mean, it hasn't happened very often in my life, but the few times I've definitely put myself into an environment where everyone else is really different. Like that's kind of the fun thing about this, um, this, uh, neuro leadership Institute is, is some training we're going through right now. And, you know, we're, you know, you're sort of in the room or in the Zoom room with people, you know, no one else in there comes from a Pilates background, you know, yeah. and I just, or a movement, a movement oriented like career and just yes, body-based. Yes. Like and, body-based. and the connections that you make. And I think it, it really supports like the non-othering, like, you know, like th- these are just people too. They have very similar challenges. Um, it's just, it's just wonderful. I, I just love it 
when you have the opportunity to do that. And I, I would welcome anybody, whether you're in a really big, big business space and you haven't come into a body space or you're in a really big body space and you haven't stepped into a business space or a brain space to really play with that. Because today, the topic of our um, uh, podcast is really this concept of looking at this concept of brain-based conversations. And then also another course that I was recently taking is, um, and another Ew. course, hello, and another course I was recently taking, um, was in, um, is based on pain science and performance. And I'm going to be leaning into some of the topics that we've been learning, uh, that I've been learning there and then seeing how you can, because performance, we think about performance, of course, and athletes, athletes have to manage, deal with pain. Um, but so do people in business, right? Yes. Yeah, we also have right. pain, whether that pain is manifesting physically um, in, from stress or just from doing the jobs that we have to do, or the pain is more emotional and psychic. Um, yes. And so I just really want to share some of these connections that we're making um, and maybe they can help support you all and, um, you know, and making connections of your own. But so I think the process that I'm in is just being so thankful that, um, I, I, that I do like going out and, and learning things in very, in very different environments. And I think I'm sort of coming to this, my own realization that it, anytime I do that, I, I, I get a lot of motivation and a lot of excitement. So I'm thankful yeah. for, for that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, taking us into this conversation for today's episode, I think, you know, one of the things that you also thrive in and, and I, and I really love too, is bringing seemingly divergent ideas uh, together, right. To, to really create this kind of fullness in our, in our garden of of information and knowledge. And so um, the predictive model, Anne, why don't you, we have a question to, to pose to you, to get you to become curious about this, but I think it would be helpful for folks to understand what a predictive model is and how the brain uses them. So will you, will you share with us a little bit, give people a little um, kind of overview of that so they, they understand what we're talking about here. Yes, ab absolutely. So I would, I've been taking a course where I've learned um, about the predictive model. I've heard of it before. I've learned about it before within some of my background in science, but this is the most recent up to date. So this is, you know, this, this information was first made available to me in 2022. And this is coming from the master sessions, which is put together um, by Lorimer Mosley, and he's located down in Australia. Um, he does amazing work with chronic pain education and really looking at pain, but now he's really trying to blend it into uh, performance as well um, when they're looking and working with elite athletes. And he did, he did create master sessions, I believe, with a few other people. So forgive me if I'm not um, mentioning all the names and, and we'll, we'll put a link to this information as well. But within this, this construct of information. So what is a predictive model? So as we continue to learn more about the brain, you know, we're, it's very exciting to learn that, um, that our brain essentially in our nervous system is getting a lot of, of signals from our body. Right. And so 
there is sort of a model, well, the brain is interpreting all the signals and then making adjustments as it goes. But the reality is what they're finding is that there are just way too many signals for even our amazing you know, brains that have more cells than the stars in the galaxy, right? <laughs> like you know, or neuronal connections, I think would be the appropriate thing to say. But even that is not enough to really make sense of everything that's happening within our body and our mind. So, you know, mm. so breaking that down a bit, that's thoughts about the future, thoughts about the past, information coming in from our vagus nerve, from, you know, our homeostasis in our body. How's our liver doing in our gallbladder and our stomach and our gut? Um, you know, like what, how, how's our emotional state? Um, what's the environment like? Is it cold? Is it hot? Can I see, you know, do I have a hair in my mouth? Right? Like, you know, there's just, there's so much information that even the brain cannot essentially be like second millisecond by millisecond following it all. So what it does is essentially, and not only does it do this in the brain, but the idea is that this also happens within the dorsal horn of, of the spinal cord. So this is, there's multiple places where this is happening, where you're essentially, your brain says, well, I can't keep up with everything. So I'm going to essentially make a predictive model of what is happening moment by moment, second by second. Then what happens is something comes along in, in a feeling in the environment. Oh, let me be clear. The predictive model, from my understanding, is like below consciousness most of the mm -hmm. time. Okay, so mm -hmm. this isn't something that, you know, particularly if you're thinking like it's down within your spinal cord, like there's many stations of this predictive model um, and many of these things are just below our consciousness. But what happens is, is things in our life happen. And I think this is really true in entrepreneurship and business and, and in life. I mean, we can all think of things that have happened recently within the scope of the world that are totally unpredictable, completely like not on the scope at all. And so the predictive model is sort of shaken, right? Mm -hmm. And and does that non-matching reality to the prediction even make its way to our consciousness? Sometimes. Mm -hmm. And what they were speaking to in the course is this concept, well, what can happen is, is, is your prediction notices the change, like, okay, well, what was predicted didn't happen. So now I'm going to re rewrite the predictive model. Um, and again, some of that is happening below consciousness, but all of this got me thinking about, well, how does this connect to the work of the vagus nerve and this ability to sense, sense ourselves, sense our body, sense what we're feeling. And then how does this relate to this sense of these intuitive hits that we get when we, when we come up with ideas for business, um, or just, you know, within our lives, um, within conversations that we're having with people. And so how can we use this framework of the predictive model to offer us, for me, it's some sort of safety because I get a lot of, I get a mm -hmm. sense of safety when I understand things more. So how can I, how can I feel safe through understanding this predictive model so that maybe I can sort of understand, well, how are intuitive hits within my business or ideas or why do some businesses succeed or some ideas do and some ideas don't basing this concept within this predictive model and error detection? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to zoom out a little bit and, mm -hmm. and here's some, some of the words that are coming to mind. So I think about this influx of information that, that the brain can't essentially organize and manage all at once. And so the, 
the strategy is I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm assuming that the predictive model is based on past experience. Yes. Okay. So then I am like, okay, I'm going to pull up this construct that feels familiar and safe and solidified based in my past experience. So I can, I'm going to say, here's what I know I can predict. This is all, again, as you said, much below the level of consciousness and the brain is, is organizing this. We're not like thinking this and planning this, right? So I'm going to work within this construct that feels safe and feels pretty reliable as like, this is what the outcome is going to be when I do this thing in this situation. And then, and that gives us a sense of steadiness and a sense of safety. And, and then it doesn't work like that as you're describing, right? It's something happens in the world. So I'm wondering something happens in our world, our environment, right? Some, somebody says something, we get a phone call, you know, somebody cuts us off on the road, et cetera, et cetera. It could be a million different things. What it brings to mind, and I think this is relevant to what we were talking about, is what is our tolerance mm -hmm. for the predictive model <laughs> to be disrupted. I, I'm, I'm thinking about it from the nervous system perspective of like, if I have, if I'm safely working within the predictive model, like the predictive model is, is supporting me, things are going as planned. How well am I able then to navigate when, when I get thrown off, thrown off course? There's a, there's a resilience implied in that right um and there's also a willingness i think this is what you were speaking to in terms of like an intuitive nudge or an intuitive hit like how willing are we to unconsciously and consciously open ourselves up to a variable that we could not have predicted because you know for you i know that, that, that knowing, like having all the information for, for most people, really, like the more information yeah. we have, oftentimes the safer we feel. So this, this dance, I think, is very interesting between the brain strategy to create predictive models and then how, how does our nervous system both influence that and then how is it impacted by that? Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's, one of the things that I think has really puzzled me and made me so interested in this work is that although I was in the body-based sphere and taught in it for a long time and experienced it, I did not feel actually that connected, particularly to my nervous system, mm -hmm. which I think had some benefits, like maybe like a high tolerance for uh, discomfort or high tolerance for things that are not going well. Like Chantal and I always joke like, I'm sure we all work with broken phones or broken technologies, but I, I can like take it to the nth degree and I just sort of make things work and like, that's normal to me. And then in my relationship with Chantel, I've really noticed like, no, she doesn't, she really wants things to be much more like just like working and functioning. And, and you know, I, mean, I, mean, when the, when I don't really tolerate it. Why am I not that. okay with it? But I don't know. It was like a revelation to me, right? Like you just get stuck in your way of being, right? So um, 
but because I had values, I guess, around like making things last and things like that. So I just would go with it. Could, could be another thing, but, but I, I mean, there's benefits to, um, so I guess, so I'm very curious about it. And I, I the other, the other piece that makes me curious about this is because I've been studying and, and really a lot of receiving the nervous system work through you and through the other people that you work with, um, is that I do, I don't feel like I'm as, uh, like I, sometimes I'd almost feel like there was like concrete in me, like, and I, it didn't bother me by the way, like none of this bothered me. It just like things would take a little while to sink into to my awareness or my perception, I think more so than others, which would sometimes make me look really laid back. Right. And so I was benefiting from that. Oh, she's so laid back. Um, but Anyways, I'm just trying to share that to give some of you all perspective if, if you have a similar experience. But um, I have found that a, a lot of benefit from from being more sensitive and more in tune with the nervous system. Um, and I and I do think, although I have never I haven't heard anybody else make this connection explicitly or speak to it, is you know for those of us who have less awareness or more awareness with body awareness. Um, whether that's nervous system awareness or whether that's, you know, feeling the ground you're sitting on or there's, you know, if you're walking and listening to this, you know, the wind on your face, um, that all of those are different. And I, I'll just add, like, I was pretty affronted that when I took body awareness scales, I was like always at the bottom I was like, <laughs> because the body awareness scales yeah. I was taking had everything to do with awareness of the nervous system not awareness of well, where's your, where's your right sit bone connected to your left sit bone. Yeah. Neuroceptive or introceptive awareness rather yes. than Yeah. Right. Biomechanical awareness. Yeah. Right. Which, which we would call usually exteroception would be like biomechanical yeah. awareness. And so I think I was, yeah, I was like affronted, like, Oh, I'm supposed <laughs> to be so good at this. Right. And so, um, I just want to share that with people. And so, as we continue to talk, I'm curious to see what connections we can make, you know, as, as postulating as hypothesis um, to these two bodies of work. Yeah, here's I want to draw. I want to I'm going to draw the the connections. Like I want to draw the path for us for for a second, and then pose this question to, to just to get you thinking. So in my mind, the connection between these two bodies of work is my brain does this amazing thing, uh, just like my nervous system does this amazing thing, which is uh, automatic unconscious, right? Uh, assessment of risk. And then I respond my, my physiology, I have a response and then that comes up into my thinking mind. And then I make meaning out of it. So the brain does this predictive modeling to keep us kind of steady and sane, right? Like it's, it's important. It's a good thing. And yet I feel like each of these things has the potential to be inaccurate and actually op oppressive or non-supportive of, of us in the modern age, right? Um, and so what I'm really curious about is we have, we have this predictive model and I'm assuming, this is what we were talking about before we started recording, is that some predictive models are kind of stronger in us than others. So what is our, I think I said this earlier, what is the tolerance for the predictive model? And you were speaking to this being broken. 
And to me, that's where the nervous system comes in. So if I'm so stuck or steady, like rigidly placed in my predictive model that anything, um, that, that like nothing can penetrate it, that that to me shows that there's kind of a high high tolerance, like you're describing yourself. And it, 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 but then at the same time, it, it, when the predictive model gets <clears throat> jostled or when I am, uh, when it, let's say, gets rewritten or broken, I don't know what the right language is, that potentially my nervous system freaks out because I'm so safe in the predictive model that I don't actually know how to navigate it when it's not broken. I mean, when it's not steady and still, right? So I'm thinking about my role as a business owner, you know, entrepreneur slash creator and my role as a parent. And there is obviously comfort in the predictive model because it keeps all the unnecessary minutiae kind of out of my attention. But there is also value in being able to navigate when new when new things come in to intersect or change that predictive model. And, and my ability to kind of flow or dance with that or change or take a different path and make a different choice or feels like a healthy nervous system response. So what what do you think about that? Does that feel accurate and like? Yeah. And I mean, it really got me thinking about like developmentally, like you said, as a parent, so I'm thinking of like, you know, if, if your child gets sick, like, you know, <laughs> my, my predictive model is, okay, give it a few days. I don't need to take them in to the, to the, to the hot, you know, to the doctor right away, you know, mm -hmm. just sick things will pass. But like, if all of a sudden they got really, really sick, like I would, I think I would be like, okay, like, and it wasn't, ob they were just sort of saying it to me. I'd be like, I would have to, I'd have to know, I think parenting sort of takes you a little bit out of your predictive model because you're having to, or even like if you're a parent of an animal, like you have to be able to, to intuit in some way, like what's wrong with this person who may, who may not have language around what they're feeling. And then mm -hmm. also made me think about how as children, like if you're young, like you don't have a lot of predictive models if mm -hmm. they're based on experience. And well, so- this is very interesting. Yeah, but then we know that some people have more are more flexible in their thinking than others, even if they're older, right? Right. Because so there's more. Yeah, there's more. I think to there's this. more to it. Yeah, <laughs> but but just from this perspective, I was thinking about myself as a, a young entrepreneur, and then drawing the parallel to my younger child who's nine, and how, of course, yes, there is this other, there are many, many other variables, but one other variable that comes to mind is like whether or not they're oriented, oriented toward a fixed mindset or a growth mindset might also de be determined by where they are in their the developmental cycle. Um, but my younger child, I'm just thinking about what you said of like not having as many predictive models because there's not as much experience. And so and maybe maybe this is your experience too. I mean, it's my experience with all young children is that they are so set and committed to the 
predictive model that they're in that that they freak the flip out (laughs) some more than others yeah definitely if it's not if it's not exactly you know it's like yeah yeah so if it's not if things aren't exactly going as they they anticipate or suspect which leads me to like despite the variables that might be at play um our ability i love this concept i'm going to bring it up is rupture and repair so when the predictive model is disrupted there is a rupturing in the nervous system experience right there's like oh god i'm not i'm no longer safe <laughs> right like things are not going as predicted and so now i don't know where i don't know which way is up i don't know what to do i don't know how to act i don't know how who to you know what resources to call on within myself or outside of myself and i'm i'm all of a sudden dysregulated and i'm i'm freaking out our as a parent and then for ourselves as adults like having having somebody there to support us in returning to regulation co-regulating with and returning to safety to say it's okay that the predictive model (laughs) is not what we're saying but you know like using this language and this right this kind of below consciousness experience of like oh it's that's that's actually normal or and here's how we navigate it we we learn from it and it's that co-regulation that interaction of child and parent or for you and I, I find this to be really powerful between you and I, or between you and I and our our coach, our mentor and coach, is that the co-regulation that can happen when the predictive model is is disrupted, bring does this repairing. So we have a rupture in the nervous system experience, and then we have a repair, and that's what makes the nervous system stronger. Absolutely. I was thinking about that just the other day, the rupture and repair when <laughs> my, my, my son and I, we needed to do some repairing and it was, <laughs> you know, not every woman loves, you know, just because you're a mother doesn't mean you love early childhood or, you know, love every bit about being a mother. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. so, but I, I do find <laughs> if I'm comforting my son and, and it's like, oh, well, but this is the repair bit and this is so mm. important and it, it mm-hmm. makes it actually a little bit more joyful for me. Um, yeah, yeah. Moment. And then just think about the way it supports him potentially yeah. both from a brain perspective and a nervous system perspective that that he's able to have not a conscious thought about it, but, it, but mm-hmm. a deep embodied experience, a, a unconscious experience of that I'm okay when the predictive model is broken and I can, I can alter the predictive model. I mean, again, we're giving language and we're bringing it to consciousness. This is not actually what the, what's happening in a, in a cognitive way, potentially. Um, but below the surface, as Anne said, our, our brains and our bodies are like in this constant dance of what's safe and what's not safe a predictive model feels safe. It feels steady, especially when it's proven over and over again to be true. But then how do we, we also want this resilience, right? We want this rupture and repair, 
and the rupture and repair comes through co-regulation. The repair, I think, most actively or um, impactfully comes through co-regulation with another person, parent, child, you know, partner to partner. Yeah. And, and when I think of this too, I'm like, well, I don't want to be so stuck to my predictive model that I miss out on an opportunity of an intuitive hit that is telling me to do something and I don't do it or I don't do it fast enough or, and, or having the nervous system sort of awareness and intelligence or, or business acumen to say, is this actually an intuitive hit I want to take right now? Or do I want to take it in Q4? Or do I want to, you know, like, or actually, no, that's my, my like monkey brain or, uh, well, I, I might be more squirrel brain, you know, like the excitement of new ideas. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think bringing it to this sense of thinking about business and and work, I love this question that that you posed to me uh, before we, we started going live where you said, Chantel, what can you recognize about your thinking about what is a predictive model and then you could say in your business or in your relationships right and so what are predictive models that might be very very sticky for us where we haven't you know seen a lot of change i mean clearly you know the pandemic disrupted a lot of predictive models for a lot of people so we all have that shared collective experience of whoa okay you know here's a huge disruption um, and I have to adapt quite quickly, but you know, it took a long time for us to all change and do what was required to be done because it was so out of the predictive model. Yeah. And I would say too, that like, we are all still repairing and many of us not, not actively repairing at all, which is the rise of our mental health crisis, you know, in the world. Um, yeah. So the, this is the question we would love to leave with you as this is a, a highly, uh, um, you know, kind of exploratory conversation today, uh, is can you recognize these really sticky, to use Anne's word, predictive models that may not be serving you? And a, a really good example that you used in our earlier conversation, I thought, Anne, was when you, when something happens that feels negative, like there's a, you get an email and somebody's complaining um, or has a concern, an issue, um, and you know you're going to have to have a conversation with them. You immediately go into a predictive model, right, about how that's going to go, what you're going to say, you know, how the person will respond, what action you will take, like our view narrows so dramatically so that we can kind of take on the task. But I think this is a a perfect example of how a predictive model can really lead us astray and keep us so rigid in being open and curious and, um, and even vulnerable to what emerges because people that we don't like to not know, right? It's so uncomfortable for us to not be able to predict in some way the outcome because we want to be prepared to act. And if we can't predict the outcome, we can't be prepared to act. So um, this is one way a predictive model might be playing a a role in the way that you're handling your business. Um, 
Can you think of another example we could leave them with? Yeah, I was thinking about it while you were talking. I was just like, oh, um, one of the another thing I'm thinking about is like if you're in a generative or ideation state, um, you know, do you is there a predictive model about you know like if you want to run with a new product or service or or marketing or sales or you know whatever and concept that you're wanting to test out you know as you are moving towards that those ideas um do, you know do, does your predictive model have a story <laughs> you know and and how and how how can we bring ourselves to a more toward state so that we're not reacting in a way of like, oh, I got to come up with this idea. So-and-so told me, you know, an email and, and I don't have an idea to come up with. Because when you have that sense of anxiety or that is you do narrow and you do focus. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, but maybe your predictive models become stickier or harder to penetrate, right? And so how can we bring ourselves into a state, a nervous system state of of um of of exploration um what chantel talks i believe it's ventral yeah. um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so um i would say you can kind of look at it two ways so a if you're dealing with more of a stressor but then also how can we leverage or think about predictive models whether they're a positive or negative when we're trying to ideate and go towards um you know uh positive ideas and, um, and, and, and opportunities because business a lot of times is seizing an opportunity, finding an opportunity, you know, sol sol solving a problem for someone. So it turns into an opportunity, right? So how, how can we, how can we bring ourselves to that opportunity place and space? Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. Really fun and exciting topic. We'd love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, um, where are you experiencing your predictive models hindering you from being exploratory, being curious, being open, taking advantage of, of kind of unusual or outside of the box opportunities? Um, because as I was thinking about this in our earlier conversation, it's like, yes, you said, and you know, nobody, we don't know if we're going to be successful in business. There's just like so many variables. It's timing. It's the economy. It's like all these things that are outside of our control. But for me, I find the greatest fulfillment when I can be in the process and, and feel like I'm, I'm experiencing growth. And so this, this idea of kind of analyzing or reflecting on our predictive models really puts me in, as you said, that toward state of like, oh, learning and being open. So whether or not, you know, I'm, I'm uh, in the market the way I would like to be, uh, you know, or, or hitting my revenue numbers or whatever it might be, I feel really fulfilled in the process of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. <laughs> All right. Thank you all. All right. Next time. See you next time. Well, as always, we'd like to say a big thank you for your time and attention. We know how precious it is. We love hanging out with you and serving this amazing community of inspired leaders and educators who desire to make a bigger impact and bring their whole selves to this awesome party. We hope you are leaving feeling a little inspired, refreshed, maybe even excited, and a little bit giddy. 
The absolute sweetest and most powerful thing you can do to support this not-for-profit, minimally sponsored podcast is to tell us how much you love us. And there are a couple of ways you can do that. You can leave us your comments and reviews on iTunes or YouTube. Both are better. And if you didn't know we have a YouTube channel, now you do. Or by sending us the occasional love letter to embodiedbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, we hope you'll keep asking, how do I want my business and my life to feel?